Section 17 of Volume 1 of The Golden Bell, Part 1, The Magic Art and the Evolution of Kings, Volume 1, by James Fraser. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Leon Harvey. Appendix Hegel on Magic and Religion My friend Professor James Ward has pointed out to me that the view which I have taken of the nature and historical relations of magic and religion was anticipated by Hegel in his Lectures on the Philosophy of Religion. So far as I understand the philosopher's exposition, the agreement between us amounts to this. We both hold that in the mental evolution of humanity an age of magic preceded an age of religion, and that the characteristic difference between magic and religion is that, whereas magic aims at controlling nature directly, religion aims at controlling it indirectly, through the mediation of a powerful supernatural being, or perhaps to whom a man appeals to help and protection. That I take to be the substance of Hegel's meaning in the following passages which I extract from his lectures on the philosophy of religion. Speaking of what he calls a religion of nature, he observes, Fear of the powers of nature, of the sun, of thunderstorms, etc., is here not as yet fear, which might be called religious fear, for this has its seat in freedom. The fear of God is a different fear from the fear of natural forces. It is said that fear is a beginning of wisdom. This fear cannot present itself in immediate religion. It first appears in man when he knows himself to be powerless in his particularity, when his particularity trembles within him. It is not, however, fear in this higher sense, only that it is not present here. But even the fear of the bowels of nature, so far as it enters at all, at this first stage of the religion of nature, changes round in its opposite and becomes magic. The absolutely primary form of religion to which we give the name of magic consists in this, that the spiritual is the ruling power of a nature. This spiritual element does not yet exist, however, as spirit. It is not yet found in its universality, but is merely the particular, contingent, empirical self-consciousness of man, which although it is only mere passion, knows itself to be higher in its self-consciousness than nature, knows that it is a power ruling over nature. This power is a direct power over nature in general, and is not to be likened to the indirect power which we exercise by means of implements over natural objects in their separate forms. Here the power of a nature acts in a direct way. It thus is magic or sorcery. As regards the external mode in which this idea actually appears, it is found in a form which implies that this magic is what is highest in the self-consciousness of those peoples. But in a subordinate way, magic steals up to higher standpoints too, and insinuates itself into higher religions, and thus into the popular conception of witches, although in this form it is recognised as something which is partly impotent, and partly improper and godless. There has been an inclination on the part of some, as for example, in the Kantian philosophy, to consider prayer too as magic, because man seeks to make it effectual, not through mediation, but by starting direct from spirit. The distinction here, however, is that man appeals through the absolute will, for which even the individual or unit is an object of care, and which can either grant the power or not, and which in so acting is determined by general purposes of good. Magic, however, in the general sense, simply amounts to this. The man has a mastery as he is in his natural state, as possessed of passions and desires. Such is the general character of this primal and wholly immediate standpoint, namely that the human consciousness, any definite human being, is recognised as the ruling power of our nature in virtue of his own will. 
The natural has, however, by no means that wide range which it has in our idea of it, for here the greater part of nature still remains indifferent to man, or is just as he is accustomed to see it. Everything is stable. Earthquakes, thunderstorms, floods, animals, which threaten him with death, enemies, and the like, are another matter. To defend himself against these recourse is had to magic, such as the oldest mode of religion, the wildest, most barbarous form. By recent travellers, such as Captain Perry, and before him Captain Ross, this religion has been found among the Eskimos, wholly without the element of mediation, and has the crudest consciousness. Among other peoples, a mediation is already present. Captain Perry says of them, they have not the slightest idea of spirit, or a higher existence, of an essential substance, as contrasted with their empirical mode of existence. On the other hand, they have amongst them individuals whom they call angekoks, magicians, conjurers. Those assert that they have it in their power to raise a storm, to create a calm, to bring whales near, etc., and say that they learned these arts from old angekoks. The people regard them with fear. In every family, however, there is at least one. A young angekok wishes to make the wind rise, and he proceeds to do it by dint of phrases and gestures. These phrases had no meaning and were directed towards no supreme being as a medium, but were addressed in an immediate way to the natural object of which the angekok wished to exercise power. It required no aid from any one whatever. This religion of magic is very prevalent in Africa, as well as among the Mongols and Chinese. Here, however, it is no longer found in the absolute crudeness of its first form, but mediations already come in, which owe their origin to the fact that the spirit has begun to assume an objective form for self-consciousness. In its first form, this religion is more magic than religion, it is in Africa among the Negroes that prevails most extensively. In this sphere of magic, the main principle is direct domination of nature by means of the will, of self-consciousness. In other words, the spirit is something of a higher kind than nature. However bad this magic may look, regarded in one aspect, still in another it is higher than a condition of dependence upon nature and fear of it. Such, then, is the very first form of religion, which cannot indeed as yet be properly called religion. To religion essentially pertains the moment of objectivity. This means that spiritual power shows itself as a mode of the universal relatively to self-consciousness. For the individual, for the particular empirical consciousness, this objectivity is an essential characteristic on which all depends. Not until it is present does religion begin, does a God exist, and even the lowest condition there is at least a beginning of it. The mountain, the river, is not in its character as this particular mass of earth, as this particular water, the divine, but as a mode of the existence of the divine, of an essential universal being. We do not yet find this in magic as such. It is the individual consciousness at this particular consciousness and consequently the very negation of the universal which is what has the power here. Not a god in the magician, but the magician himself is a conjurer and conqueror of nature. Out of magic the religion of magic is developed. End of Appendix End of Section 17 And the End of Volume 1 of The Golden Bell Part 1 The Magic Art and the Evolution of Kings Volume 1 by James Fraser, recorded by Leon Harvey.